0: Welcome to the latest edition of The Crude Report. This is a weekly podcast from Argus Media, in which we uh, try to illuminate some of the big issues in today's global crude oil markets. My name is James Gooder. I'm the VP for Crude in Europe and Africa. And I'm very pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Michael Carolyn, who's the editor of Argus Crude, based in London. Hi, Michael, how's it going? Very good. Happy to join, James. Ah, Well, it's good to have you with us. And the theme today is one that we've covered uh, in some Detail before, but there have been some new developments in the Brent story. So we thought it'd be an uh, interesting time to revisit that because changes afoot and opinions are bubbling to the surface. Michael, maybe you can tell us what are the latest developments that we've heard about?
1: BP released a, a statement last, last week. This was uh, in response to a consultation launched by Platts and ICE earlier in the summer about how to uh, how to save the Brent benchmark, either through the addition of WTI or Johann Sverdrup. And this is less of a proposal from BP. This was a, a more of a detailed solution as to how WTI can be incorporated into the North Sea forward market or the cash BFOE market, as it is sometimes known. Now, this has been a tricky issue for a while. Adding WTI into dated Brent, the physical benchmark, is seen as fairly straightforward. Um, indeed, we've been running such a price since 2018. But adding it to the underlying forward market is far more complicated. There's always a concern that without loading programs at the US Gulf Coast, There's an unknowable and almost limitless supply of WTI going into the Brent complex. And this has the ability to swamp the market, massively boosting supplies in one month at the expense of another, for instance. BP's proposals are mostly centered on stopping that from happening. So there are lots of limits on where the crude should originate from and limits on which loading dates in a particular month will be eligible for nomination into a forward contract. But the fact remains that no loading programmes exist, and even if they did, there's no guarantee those cargoes would come to Europe. So to an extent, the lack of clarity over the volumes of WTI affecting the Brent would remain.
0: On the one hand, uh, you know, there are people that uh, favour this kind of outcome, and at least BP has stepped up and provided a kind of outline for how it could work. I guess it will depend on how the rest of the market reacts. But just based on what we know at Argus from having modelled a price like this over the past couple of years or more, what do we think the effect would be on Brent of including WTI into the North Sea benchmark?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, If the system works and BP of participation will help to make sure it does, then Brent as a complex would have the extra fiscal volumes it needs to continue. The forward market would match the benchmark and they would have the same grades underpinning it. But it would result in a lower dated rent price and one that is dominated by WTI. As I said, we've been running a dated illustration, including WTI, since 2018. And and that is very much the message we get from that.
0: Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, the conversation has moved forward. There's a kind of detailed proposal on the table. Uh, I mean, I remember a month or two ago, um, uh, VTOL publicly supporting an outcome like this without giving too much detail about how it might work. But has there been any market reaction to the current proposal from BP?
1: Well, interesting. The only other detailed and um, public reaction we have to the Platts consultation is from Norway's Equinor. Now, mm. Equinor is uh, a company that actually supports the inclusion of WTI into dated Brent with some caveats, but it is totally opposed to WTI's inclusion in the forward market. So in that sense, Equinor and BP's positions are opposed. Equinor argues that the lack of information regarding available volumes of WTI make it totally unsuitable. Equinor is also supportive of a different solution, the addition of Johannes FairDrop into both dated Brent and the forward contract. Now that's a far simpler solution. Johann's Fairdrop has many similarities with the benchmark's other North Sea grades. It loads on a FOB basis in the North Sea with loading programs. But one thing it doesn't share is an API. Johann's FairDrop is far heavier than the other five grades. Although, as Equinor points out, its sulfur level is not dissimilar to the existing benchmark grade 40s. Equinor believes its quality difference can be overcome with the use of of a quality premium system, which is already in in use in the benchmark. BP, of course, disagrees and sees the quality difference as an insurmountable problem. Interestingly, I think Equinor's response grasps the fundamental problem here of of what should dated represent. If WTI is added, Brent will be a true global SWEET benchmark, in, in Equinor's words. If fair Fairdrop is added, Brent will be a true regional European benchmark. Until the market decides which of these it wants, there will continue to be disagreements, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's really just a question about the identity of the benchmark. What is it for and what does it represent? So, I mean, we're in this kind of uncertain period. We're waiting for an announcement perhaps from the exchange, ICE, or from our competitors at Platz, or perhaps uh, other proposals coming out of the market. But it seems just even at this this first kind of uh, round of reaction that there's already quite strong opposing views being expressed. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the alternatives. I guess we can say that we at Argus are publishing different versions of Brent, different versions of our North Sea Dated benchmark, which represents the North Sea Dated, uh, which re- represents the the market's physical value in Northwest Europe. Could you tell us a little bit about those different flavors of Brent, if you like, and, and how they look and where to find them? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: um, we published North Sea Dated as our as our main North Sea benchmark and that is basically the equivalent of dated Brent and we've been publishing that for many years. We launched New North Sea Dated in 2018, which incorporates WTI, and as I said, that does result in a, a lower price. But you can track it quite clearly that WTI usually sets the price of New North Sea Dated, as it is it is a cheaper grade than the five existing grades when, when netted back to a, a, a virtual FOB North Sea. And earlier in the summer, we launched uh, North Sea Dated plus JS, which as the name suggests is the five grades plus fair drop with a quality adjustment similar to that used for the other grades and you can see how that behaves. And so far we've seen the North Sea Dated plus JS behaves pretty much the same as the original North Sea Dated benchmark with uh, it occasionally drops below it but only by a few cents and new North Sea Dated as I said can drop up to a, a dollar below it depending on the economics.
0: That's interesting. I mean, essentially, when you change a benchmark, the intention is not to radically change the price, right, or the level of the price. What we're trying to do is introduce more liquidity, more volume of crude uh, without causing a lot of volatility. So I guess the question is, how do you get that quality adjustment? So something heavier and a little bit sourer, like your yeah. doesn't uh, destabilize the benchmark and cause a much lower price.
1: Exactly. Um, we, we, we have quite a large quality adjustment on your spare in our naughty dated plus JS price. And that's something that we're, we're flexible in changing in the future. But so far, it does seem to act as a cap, which is really what we're looking for. We need additional volumes to act as a cap without necessarily changing the price of the benchmark. You've been looking at this market for far longer than me, James. Where do you see the possible scenarios going forward?
0: Well, change is always slow to come until it comes, right? But as we know, you know, the market is quite conservative. It tends to stick with what it is used to. But the situation at the moment is that if they were to stick with dated Brent and these changes come as we expect, then essentially they'll be sticking with something that is not what they're used to. And it will be, as we've seen, quite unpredictable what the effect of putting WTI into that basket will be. One of that scenario, of course, is that the market simply accepts the change, continues as usual, adjusts the differentials. But. Occasional freight price spikes and uncertainty over the volume of the U.S. crude available to Europe will cause volatility in the benchmark, and that might uh, cause people some concern. Uh, So that's one possible outcome. Another, given the strength of opposition amongst some people, some companies that we've heard, is that the market will fragment. If you think about the U.S. Gulf Coast, for example, some of the exports from there are done against an Argus WTI Houston benchmark, some are done against ICE Brent Futures. There's no particular rule that in a given location only one benchmark can prevail, though that does usually tend to be the case. But if the market were to fragment, you could find some people using a Brent with WTI, other people sticking with... Something that they're more used to, perhaps an Argus North Sea dated or an Argus North Sea dated with Johann Sverdrup. Those prices are already available. Or we will see more trade linked to the futures settlement price. Um, that already happens a lot in the Far East, as I said, at the US Gulf Coast. The Saudis for many years have been selling crude into Europe linked to the ice Brent futures settlement price. So it's not without precedent. And if there is a feeling that the market physical benchmark is becoming something other, than what people expected when they were setting up their long-term strategies, then it may be the time that some portion of the market moves away from that benchmark. As I say, these things take time and perhaps it will require some kind of upheaval or real volatility in the price. Though I've said, as we've discussed on this before, there was a period during the first wave of COVID when uh, WTI was priced at huge discounts to North Sea Crudes into Europe. And had it been setting the benchmark at that point, we would have seen prices 5 $6 lower than we did in fact. So while we all hope that doesn't happen again, it's not impossible that those kind of dislocations could happen. And the last scenario, I suppose, and this is longer term, is that this kind of fragmentation or the sheer complexity of, of the Brent forward contract and dated Brent itself leads to an erosion of confidence in the Brent complex as a whole so in either of these scenarios that i've mentioned either the acceptance of a brent wti benchmark or a fragmentation in either of those scenarios could in fact hasten and move away from brent altogether as that confidence falls and, and volumes fall and the rise if you like of the us gulf coast as a global benchmark generating location which is why you know the price reporting agencies the ex- exchanges everybody's uh, looking for ways to price oil at that location Because in a sense, if, as you say, dated Brent is going to be set by WTI, well then why not just use WTI in the place where it is, place where it hits the market first. We have a lot of production, we have a lot of refining at the US Gulf Coast, you've got lots of different market players, you've got crude going to all destinations and being imported into that location. So in many ways, it's the perfect place for a global benchmark to find its home. So that could be the long-term outcome of all of this.
1: It's an interesting point. You mentioned the complexity there. I, it can't be stressed enough how complicated Brent has already become and how much more complex it could get if uh, BP's proposals were implemented. I, I don't mean complex for a journalist. Um, this is complicated. It's regarded as complicated by seasoned North Sea traders. So we need to ask the question, why do we need such complexity if there are simpler alternatives? There's a feeling that the Brent needs to be saved, but but why is that? There are alternative ways to price crude in the world. The main reason seems to be uh, to save ice brent. Ice brent is obviously written into contracts the world over and we can't really allow that to fail. But there's nothing to say that ice brent needs to be linked to the North Sea. It already has almost no connection to the original brent field. At the moment its connection to physical oil is through the settlement against um, the forward market at expiry. There's nothing to say that it can expire using a different fiscal price.
0: Absolutely. And in fact, one of the parts of the BP proposal was that if the inclusion of WTI works, then perhaps Brent itself could be dropped from the the benchmark and 40s. So in a sense, you would have Brent without Brent, <laughs> setting Brent, which doesn't really bode well for a long-term balancing price for global oil. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, there is underlying all this discussion as you say there are two ways of looking at it one is well we're trying to save brent and the other is we're trying to find a good price for global crude oil and i guess putting wti into brent is simply an admission that wti is already the global benchmark in many important ways i mean for all the reasons the gulf coast that i've mentioned but it's also arriving in europe arising in asia and affecting both of those markets so perhaps why not simplify matters and just remove the middleman and do your benchmarking at the US Gulf Coast.
1: Exactly. Well,
0: it's an interesting, uh, interesting outcome. I, as I say, I think it'll be a while before that comes to pass, but it seems that this is a step along that road. As ever, we'll be following with interest. If anybody's interested in understanding how these different scenarios will play out, well, we're covering all of this, of course, in the Argus Crude Report and the Argus Global Markets, the edition that just came out on Friday the 10th, I believe, was um, a good overview of, of all of this. So if anyone wants to have a look at this, uh, do look at that. As I say, we are tracking these possible different brents with prices published every day on page six of the Argus Crude Report. So you can follow it there and see what the future may look like. So we'll wrap up there. Thanks very much, Michael, for joining us. Thank you. Always a pleasure. It's uh, great to have you with us. Thanks very much to everybody for listening to this edition and indeed any edition of the Code Report. It's great to be able to share these thoughts and always good to get feedback from our listeners. We'll catch up with you again soon. I think the next broadcast will cover um, interesting developments at the U.S. West Coast. So don't miss that. Uh, In the meantime, take care. See you soon.